We want to explore all sports and competitions on a deeper level in order to understand the less mainstream topics and events. We here at Deep Dive Sports not only want you to walk away having learned something, but for us to have learned something new as well. Now don't get us wrong, we will do our best to cover the big events, but our main goal is to give you a different perspective on some of the overlooked sports and competitions across the globe. We hope you're ready to learn, laugh, and have fun because we are excited to bring you this podcast. Please sit back, relax, and dive deep into these topics with us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Deep Dive Sports. Today, we're going to be talking about dodgeball. In that process, we are going to kind of go over the when, the where, and the who invented it. We're also going to go over the rules. We're going to go over the structure of a league. And at the end, Dom will answer the riveting question of has dodgeball been played at an international level? To start it off, Dom is going to run us through the when, the where, and the who invented it. So take it away, Dom. So the origins of the creation of dodgeball are not entirely certain. Uh, Many people have different theories about how the game grew in popularity. One theory is that the game became popular during World War II when the German Air Force found that the game keeps pilots active and limber and actually enhanced hand-eye coordination. Another theory is that dodgeball was actually invented in Akron, Ohio in 1897 when cousins Hubert Dodge and Clarence A. Ball played a game with a broken house brick to a shortage of vulcanized rubber. However, the last theory that I was able to find um, is definitely the most interesting theory about the creation of dodgeball. This theory actually states that dodgeball was originally played in Africa about 200 years ago. However, the game was a little different than what we know today. (laughs) It was actually quite deadly. So the game was played with large rocks or petrified wood, and each tribe would attempt to hit players from the opposing tribe with you know the rock to try to injure them or incapacitate them and once a player was hit obviously fell to the ground the opposing tribe would then keep trying to pelt this person with rocks to quote finish them off it would be the responsibility of the teammates of the fallen player to try to defend them and force off attackers with their own rocks so it was slightly different than what we know today Uh, they definitely did not play with nerf balls So I feel like what you're describing is our high school experiences playing dodgeball in gym class. Not entirely, but I I can see the similarities. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But like, realistically, I feel like this was more of a war than (laughs) than dodgeball. Yeah, it it doesn't sound like it'd be something they did for fun. They were literally trying to kill each other. That's gracious. Again, sounds a lot like high school. But <laughs> obviously, I don't know what rocks. kind of high school you went to. <laughs> hey, listen, sometimes you just don't have the funding for foam balls. All right. <laughs> no, but they had funding for tractors. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> just to keep things moving, unfortunately, my section is not as fun as War with Rocks and Petrified Wood. But I am going to try to run through the rules section real quick, painless and easy. So when looking at the World Dodgeball Federation, they do have two sets of rules, one for cloth balls and one for foam balls. I am going to give a quick run through of the equipment needed for each, the way teams are set up for each, the play areas, and then the way the matches are played for both types. First, it's important to kind of understand where each type 
kind of originated from and where they play in. So for foam dodgeball, it has origins from Asia and is played primarily in North America, the Caribbean, Latin America, Africa, and then the Asian Pacific regions. And then cloth dodgeball has origins from Europe. And obviously it is played primarily in Europe, but also in the Asia Pacific regions and the African regions. When looking at the equipment, both balls are seven inches in diameter, but the cloth ball is made up of a butyl bladder, which is covered by webbing and a textured no string cloth covering, which has a two millimeter layer of foam directly underneath it. The foam ball is a polyurethane coated foam ball. For the cloth dodgeball game, you play with five balls, but you play with six balls when playing in the foam dodgeball game. For both games, each team must wear uniforms identical in color and design, obviously. And then obviously they must also have the team name, the player's name, the player's number displayed on the uniform, and then they are allowed to have sponsors as well. Now for the breakdown of the teams. For both games, you have six to 12 players. Six of them will be on the court while you can have up to six reserves. For both games, you also have a coach or multiple coaches, and then you have ball retrievers. A ball retriever can be one of your reserves, or that can be their only position. So you can just hire random people to go chase around and collect your balls. Now moving on to the playing area. For foam dodgeball, they do break it down. It is a little bit different for men's and women's. So for the men's, you have an 18 meter long and nine meter wide court. The center line is exactly in the middle, dividing each side into a nine meter by nine meter area. And then for the women, you have a 15 meter long and a nine meter wide court. The center line again is exactly in the middle, dividing each side into a seven and a half meter by nine meter area. When looking at cloth dodgeball, the court is a rectangular area that must be 16 to 18 meters in length and eight to nine meters in width. They do kind of vary because they do prefer to have it to have it surrounded by a free area that is one meter on all sides. So for official events, the court must have the dimensions of 17 by 18 meters. If that free space is not available, they will extend the court out to that 18 meters by nine meters. And then they do require you to have solid barriers instead of that one meter free space. And then for both games, they should also try to have that free space if they can, but they should also have a player out box, a penalty box, and a substitution area. And then lastly, the match. For foam dodgeball, there is 40 minutes of regular play with 20 minute halves. There is a running clock except for that 30 second stoppage between sets. No matter how much time is left when a set ends, a new one must start. So if the game clock is about to end and you're in the middle of a set, you will finish it. And even if you have one second left when a set ends, you do have to start a new one. And then finishing that set will end that half or the match. So each team is allowed to take two timeouts per match. And then each timeout is one minute and 30 seconds. After halftime, the teams will switch sides. And then at the end of the game, the game is won by whichever team has won the most sets during the match. A set is worth one point and is one when all players on one team have been knocked out. And on the off chance that a match cannot be decided because there is a tie, then they do have a four-minute tiebreaker. If the match can still not be decided after that four minutes, they will go into a sudden death. And if you want to make substitutions 
you do have to do that in between sets. You cannot do it in the middle of a set. Now moving on to cloth dodgeball, they actually only have 30 minutes of regular play and 15 minute halves. They still have a running clock, but their break in between sets is only 20 seconds. And then very much like foam dodgeball, it does not matter how much time is left on the clock. You do still have to start a new set. So again, if you have one second, you have to start a new one. And it doesn't matter if the time runs out in the middle of that set. You still have to finish that set for the half or the match to be over. Like foam dodgeball, sets are worth one point. And again, you win a set when all players on one team have been knocked out. So a little difference is, is that for cloth dodgeball, each set is only able to be three minutes in length. So if at the end of the three minutes, there is no clear winner, they will count up how many players are left on each side and whoever has the most wins. If there is a tie, then they just count it as a draw and both sides get one point. At the end of the match, kind of like foam dodgeball, if there is a tie in total points, then they do go to a tiebreaker. But instead of four minutes, it's three minutes. Because remember, they can only have a three-minute long set. And, of course, in the event that the match is still tied at that point, they will go into a sudden death. And then very much like foam dodgeball, you can only make substitutions between sets. Now onto the structures of the league. There really is just one main national dodgeball league with various different smaller leagues throughout the country. This league is known as the National Dodgeball League. So I'll be giving a breakdown on how this league is set up. So according to their website, this is how matches will go. A regulation match consists of a predetermined odd number of games of a single game type. The number of games and or time allotted may be altered to best suit time and attendance. Now to move on to the game types. There is the elimination game, a game played until all opponents on one side have been eliminated. The first team to eliminate all of its opponents is declared the winner. Then there is the timed game, a game played until a predetermined time limit expires or all opponents are eliminated on one side. If time expires, all remaining players are counted. The team with the most players remaining wins the game. Then finally, there's the scored game. A scored game is played as either an elimination game or a timed game with points awarded not for the win, but for the number of players remaining in at the end of each game. Now, this is the basic breakdown of the type of games played. Now, I know that Nick covered the rules of the game, but I wanted to cover one thing that may vary depending on who you ask and whether or not they view it as accidental or not. I'm referring to hits to the head, also known as headshots. A headshot occurs when a player is hit directly in the head by a high-thrown ball. Any thrower committing a headshot will be deemed out. Now, I'm glad to see that they take hits to the head very seriously as a precaution to protect their players against opposing players with intent to harm. But I can also see this as an issue with it being such a strict rule. My issue with this is with the fact that they deem every single hit to the head to have malicious intent behind it, even though there is a very good chance that it could have been simply just an accident. Hey, uh, do you think that they were as serious about protecting from headshots? when they were throwing rocks and petrified wood at each other 200 years ago? Yes. <laughs> do you think do you think they were like, oh, you can't hit anybody in the head. Now you're out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't, different time and era. See, I but. mean, they, they, they would have a different opinion than that. They'd be like, hey, 
Headshots or headshots, man. You better duck. I don't know. <laughs> or before we give our opinions on some questions coming up, Dom is going to answer that riveting question of, has dodgeball been played on a world stage before? What do you say, Dom? Quickly put, yes. Dodgeball is played <laughs> internationally. <laughs> dodgeball is played internationally under rules that vary depending on the governing body, and there are two major ones. They are the World Dodgeball Association and the World Dodgeball Federation. The information is kind of a lot on a lot of these websites. So if you guys are interested in learning more about the differences between each of these leagues, uh, we can provide that information if you guys want to reach out to us. But yeah, those are the only two governing bodies that I was able to find. Thanks, Dom. And now kind of just to move forward, we are going to try to give our opinions on a few questions. So the first one being, what would make people think of dodgeball on the same level as our main sports in this country or even throughout the world today uh david we'll start with you honestly i don't know what would because many people i see it as many people think of it as just like your high school sport something you would do in gym or really something like that or if you're in college something as like an extracurricular thing you would do on the side if you had spare time as like a club or something like that so with that said I think that you probably won't escape the that mentality of just something that you did for fun in school, really. Okay, I can see that. Dom, do you think there's anything that, that someone could do to make this game seem like it's on the same level as our main sports today? No. Like we mentioned in, I believe, our previous episode, I think David made this point, not every sport has to be a major professional sport. And... I don't think this is a sport that really can develop into, you know, what we would consider a major sport. I think it's always going to be seen as something that we just, you know, played in gym class in middle school or high school. And, you know, some people play in tournaments and stuff, but, you know, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a major sport. I mean, honestly though, like, I mean, I don't know what they could change about it. I mean, it kind of is what it is at this point. You can fine-tune a little things. You could add more balls. You could add more players. You can make a bigger court. But other than that, I mean, the, the game is what it is at this point. Exactly. You know, other other than adding, like, you know, rocks and pieces of wood, I mean, maybe that, <laughs> that would spice it up. I, I don't know. I mean – I don't. That might hurt them. They won't – I don't think they'd be able to put that on TV then. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean I – There mean, goes maybe, all your TV, TV advertising. <laughs> maybe something that someone could do is is add like obstacles maybe make it almost like like a paintball course with obstacles and in buildings and structures and almost do kind of like a like a battle royale kind of thing but i do think i do think have it be hosted by david dobrik like discovery channel did all right hey don't make make fun (laughs) of my guy david all right he's he's doing stuff because <laughs> yeah I, I think doing something like that's just gonna make the game be taken even less seriously if you got well, people running around an obstacle course it's already seen as it's like a recreational sport that you play in school well you know, I, then, you, then you have a bunch of grown adults running around an obstacle course throwing balls at each other yeah i mean obviously it would be it'd probably be considered a little bit more gimmicky but i do think the game of dodgeball itself is you it is a it is a physical game, you know what I mean? So it is classified oh, as a sport and you do have to have some sort of strategy behind it. There is mental preparation behind it. So I do think that 
it has a lot of the aspects of a team game or the sports that we kind of watch today. I just don't think, I think you guys are right in the fact that all of us see it as just this gym class kind of game. And unfortunately it's, it's like slow to grow to this point, but I mean, it is on the world stage. So there are tournaments, there are, you know, organizations that run different versions of dodgeball and everything. I mean, we kind of talked about the different types of balls they use, there are different rules that they use. Um, So I do think that eventually it could be maybe as big, like I said, I do already think it's as big as something like maybe paintball or bowling. It's obviously bigger than cornhole at this point. Like both of you guys said, I just don't know what else they could add that wouldn't make it gimmicky. But I do think it could become something that's pretty big in the future as well. So just to kind of move on to the next question, I know we've kind of already given our opinions and maybe answered it a little bit. But do we think this would be a perfect sport for the Olympics? In my opinion, you don't need very many people to make up a team. So I don't think it'd be hard for, you know, countries to put together a team or two. And it's already kind of on that world stage. So a lot of other countries participate and compete against each other. And like I said before, it's very physically demanding. You do have to strategize and there is that mental aspect of it. So it kind of fits those diameters of what needs, what it needs to fit to be an Olympic sport. But what do you think, Dom? I could see how people can make an argument for maybe being considered for the Olympics. Um, I don't think it's big enough on a global scale. I know it's played internationally, but I don't think it's popular enough to be considered in the Olympics. Which Olympics would it be involved in? Would it be Summer Olympics? Would it be Winter Olympics? I mean, honestly, uh-huh. it, could, it could be either one. I mean, you'd think it's more it's, of an, I mean, you're played indoors. I mean, you could you could do an outdoor version of it if you wanted to that might be like i said there's there's different ways that you could do the game it doesn't have to necessarily be on a flat smooth surface like a gym floor you know what i mean you could do it in in a grassy surface or on a turf or on elevated surfaces you know what i mean you could even on the beach yeah on the beach you could add so many different aspects to it to make it different you could have like the different stages of it as you progress through you change venues you change you know the the style of courts or something like that just to kind of keep that physical aspect of it and keep the the interest of it growing i guess i don't know i i still don't see it taken seriously enough as a sport to be considered in the olympics but that that's just my personal opinion what do you think david well, I do kind of agree with Dom in the sense that I don't see it happening. I do understand where people are coming from. I know we kind of answered this exact same question for Cornell a few episodes back. I do think that this would probably have a better chance at making the Olympics than Cornhole would ever. But then again, I'm also with Dom in the sense that I don't think it will. Okay. So we're just going to kind of move on to those final thoughts that the guys have. David, we're going to start with you. Dom will follow, and then I will finish off the episode. So honestly, I love this episode mainly because it brought back so many good memories of like high school and middle school when we would play dodgeball and gym. Or if you're on an, uh, if you're on a sports team and you're looking for something fun to do after practice, it's just something to 
kind of relax and have fun with. It was definitely a good time overall. And so, yeah, just to bring back those memories, it was definitely great and all. And want to say thank you. Yeah, this is definitely a good episode. I'm glad we chose to talk about dodgeball. You know, dodgeball is sport we, you know, like we said earlier, grew up playing middle school and high school. When we decided to play dodgeball in gym class, it was always my favorite day because <laughs> I knew I got to throw stuff with people. <laughs> so I always enjoy playing the game. Um, so I'm glad we got to talk about it. Heck yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, like Dom said, his favorite day was dodgeball day. My favorite day was combination of either basketball day flag football day or dodgeball day so anything that i could shoot throw catch loved all that stuff but dodgeball is definitely one of those sports that you kind of get to channel your inner kid and go back to those (laughs) back to those middle school high school days but it has definitely evolved into a sport that is played on a worldwide stage so like dom said if there are aspects of dodgeball that we didn't cover that you'd like us to go deeper into, just let us know. I mean, we definitely are here for it. We love doing all this research and compiling it and putting it together for all of you. At the same time, going forward, if there are any topics that you'd like us to talk about or anything that you'd like us to revisit and go deeper into, then please let us know. Leave us comments. Let us know how we can get better. Let us know what kind of episodes you want to listen to because we do want to do this for all of you as well so we have fun doing this and we want you to have fun as well so if there's certain things that you want out of this podcast as well just let us know going forward thanks to the guys for being a part of this this was a super fun episode we learned lots especially the fact that people used to throw rocks at each other in petrified wood and and they kind of consider that the beginnings of dodgeball um but other than that again Thank you to both of you. Thank you to our listeners. Continue to give us feedback and let us know what we can do better and what you want to hear us take a deep dive into next. And as always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Until next time. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more, feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sports on Twitter instagram and facebook for any update and please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next as always we are deep dive sports until next time